Today's episode of the Grind Hours podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Sports fans, if you're not in the building for your favorite team's event this time of year, bowl season, playoff push in football, basketball is underway, NHL is is all underway. If you're not in the building, college basketball, if you're not in the building, what are you doing? Use my code, get there. That's code GRINDHOUR, all one word, to get $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's code GRINDHOUR to get $20 off your first purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. All right, the Hall of Famer's back on the line after a week's hiatus. He is back and... You picked a good week to come back because it's stacked. We are absolutely jam-packed with stuff um, with the time of year that we're in. But if we aren't starting local, I ain't feeling right. The Jets, a week after I put out a column in the Excelsior, backing Todd Bowles. I was a backer of Bowles. I am now sending him to the Hounds. He should not have made the trip back to New York from Tennessee. He should have been left in the Nashville airport. The performance on Sunday night, or Sunday afternoon, was absolutely ridiculous. It was inexcusable, unacceptable, and whoever's running the Jets, whether it be Woody Johnson or Chris Johnson, should have fired both McCagden and Todd Bowles, as well as offensive coordinator, Jeremy Bates. He should have released Josh McCown and relieved him of his duties. And we should just start fresh. Fire sale. Everybody's gone. This whole organization is a mess. And I know I could just be reacting to a 16-point lead that we blew at halftime, but this has been a a year-long thing and a 10-year-long thing for Bulls. As much as I've backed him... The penalty issue has always been a problem, and it just it reared its ugly head yet again in Tennessee. 11 penalties for 96 yards. You cannot win any game in the National Football League. I don't care who you're playing. You cannot win a game giving up almost 100 yards in penalties, and Bulls throughout his tenure said, well, that's something we, we take care of in-house. If you commit a penalty, you get punished for it. Clearly they don't. There's no repercussions, it seems like, for committing penalties. Maurice Claiborne cannot guard somebody without holding them. It's impossible. He can't do it. He simply cannot do it. Tremaine Johnson had a ticky-tack face mask penalty. It is what it is. You're going to get called if if you're a team like the Jets who gets penalized a lot. They're going to call it that sort of stuff. I, I, I don't think it should have been called, but it cl- he clearly gla- grabbed the face mask going by. That was a penalty that just ruined the game. Uh, they're out of field goal range. You give up a 15-yard run to Mariota. He fumbles. You don't get the ball back, and then you add on the other 15. That's a 30-yard play that you give up to, to, to the Titans, just handing them field goal range. They couldn't cover uh, Taylor, Taewon Taylor, I think his name was. He he gashed us for two straight plays in the same route for damn near 50 yards each time. McCown had 108 passing yards for the entire game, 108 for four quarters of play. That's unacceptable. He is a 
glorified quarterbacks coach. He's fool's gold 2.0. He should not be on this team. Isaiah Crowell played well, but he, he had 21, 21 carries for 98 yards. Our leading receiver had four catches and 48 yards in Robbie Anderson. That's If you're running the ball for almost 100 yards, Robbie Anderson should be taking the top off the defense. There, there's no reason he shouldn't. And I've berated Jeremy Bates for the entire season for not opening up the playbook and for having basically two two pieces of paper for a playbook. And it's clearly showing. It's Josh McCown, a guy who's 39 years old and has been in the league since both Nick and I have been born, it seems like. Yeah. The guy knows how to run offenses. You can throw whatever you want at him. He probably understands it. Open it. He, Jeremy Bates clearly doesn't have a playbook. His ability as a play caller is zero. It's he, what, what has he done to do anything for this team? He doesn't use Anunwa. He doesn't use Anderson. On a third and short, nine times out of ten, it's a 30-yard bomb out of bounds. And the other one time, it's a rush. What do you? There's no creativity here. The lapse of just football sense is incredible for a guy who's being paid as an offensive coordinator in the National Football League. The absence of the big play—that's just the brand, the, the the motto for this year's Jets team—is solely on the shoulders of Jeremy Bates, and he should be fired. And Bowles. I know. I love the guy. I think he's an incredible football mind. I think he will win a Super Bowl somewhere else. He's got to go. This team clearly does not have his back. Because if they did, they'd play for pride. And they'd win that game in Tennessee. They didn't. They let the game slip away. The, The coaches had no... They just didn't control the team. They didn't control the game. They didn't change up the play calling. They didn't change. They didn't change anything, and they let the game slip away. That's inexcusable. And Mike McCagden, lastly and certainly not least, Mike McCagden. If there's any debate whether he can run a football organization, just look at his tenure as the, as the Jets GM. He is perhaps one. Of, he's not the worst general manager in sports. That goes to Billy King. He is one of the worst general managers I've ever seen in professional sports. What has he done outside of the first year where they almost went to the playoffs? What has he done to better the Jets team? I'm asking Nick because I'm I feel like I'm screaming in the into the abyss with, with Mike McCagan. What has he done? Why does he I still mean, have a job on December fourth? Listen, you hit the nail on the head. You're absolutely right. The performance was pathetic. You can't if you, if you leave. If there's 60 minutes in a regulation football game. Okay, 60 minutes. If you're leading the game or tied for 59 minutes and 30 something seconds of that 60 minutes, you need to put the game away. You need to win it. So it's inexcusable. The, the offense has been anemic all year. And not Jeremy to cut, Bates not to cut you off. To turn loose, um, Sam Darnold at all. No, it wasn't and even Darnold. It was McCown. And, and I, I know. I, I know. I'm saying it's a common problem. It has. He hasn't been able to turn loose Darnold at all. 
Now, McCown, you have this guy that comes off the bench. He hasn't played in a year. What do you expect to happen? How bad is Davis Webb to not play him? How it's bad could he be? McCown is is hot garbage. He threw two picks against Buffalo. He played knee against uh, New England. And then he stunk the bet up against Tennessee again. How is he still playing the games? How is Davis it's, Webb not in there? He's dressed. He's obviously capable of playing if you signed him off the practice squad and, and have him dressing. If he's not, then you wouldn't have him as the emergency backup quarterback. And the other thing with, with Bates, just last point here with Bates, they, the offense hasn't scored a touchdown in three weeks. Three weeks. The only touchdown that they had last uh, last Sunday was the defensive touchdown for the Tremaine Johnson pick six on like the third play of the game. Then they kicked five field goals. That's not an offense. It's not. It's a, it's astounding. And to answer your question about McCagnan, what has he done? I'll tell you what he's done. He's been terrible. He <laughs> on two quarterbacks out of three that he picked. One of them was drafted in the second round, never even took a snap. He, he, never I, dressed. He never dressed in a in a regular season game. And look at all these like like picks that the, the the true test of a great general manager. I've always said this. The true test of a great general manager is how well the picks at the back end of the draft do. If you can get quality guys in the fifth round, the sixth round, the seventh round, you're a really good general manager. Look at what happens with, in New England with Bill Belichick. He's able to find value in guys all over the draft. Look at what uh, Les Snead has done in L.A. with the Rams. He's in the late rounds of the draft. And look what happened with Jerry Reese with the Giants. He couldn't find value in the late rounds of the draft. The team suffered. McCagnan has been this. He's picked guys in the late rounds of these drafts. Bryce Petty. Justin Burris, Sharon Peak. These guys have been terrible. They've been awful. They haven't made they haven't made the rosters. They haven't made the teams. They've just I don't know how he still has a job. I don't know how you can bring him back next year. And the fact that the buzz that I've been hearing out of Jets the Jets organization is that he will be back next year. If it's he's, a scary thought. If he's back, I, I I'm protesting. I'm not if I'm actually going to say this and it hurts me to say this because I love the Jets almost more than anything in the world. If he is still the general manager in 2019, I'm not watching football next year, at least not the Jets. I'm not watching because he can't put a product on the field and he can't hire coaches. What, what was the whole we're waiting for the right offensive mind? Why didn't you get an offensive coordinator in in January? Why did you wait until March to hire this guy? What did he show you in the room? Honestly. And it's and it's not like there were a shortage of guys available. No. That you could have Matt Nagy was available. DeFilippo was available. You could have got Cliff Kingsbury out of college to come in and anyone's better than what we got in Jeremy Bates. Anybody. I don't get it. I don't. I don't, I don't under for you. It's just. It's amazing that they've been able to put this bad of a product out on the field 
And it's not like there's not talent on the roster. There's talent on this roster that clearly shows at times. You and I have marveled and, and awed about Jamal Adams. Leonard Williams is a great player. He is. Marcus May is a great player. Trumaine Johnson's a good player. A great quarterback in this league. Quincy Anunua is a bona fide a number two receiver. Darnold, we don't know about. It's way too early to tell. Crowell is good. Powell is fantastic. There's talent here. Leggett, or not Leggett, Herndon looks like a good tight end. There's yep. actual talent on this roster, and it's being just wasted with bad coaching, with people who can't control a room, and with utter inexcusable and inept higher-up uh, management. And I, I just, I don't know, man. I, and it, it could have started with, with Woody stepping away to take the, the job as the ambassador to England, but who the hell knows? I can't believe I'm actually calling for Woody Johnson to come back and run the, and run the Jets as the owner, but <laughs> that might be what needs to happen. If, and seriously, if McCagden still has a job on the first day of the league year in 2019, I think that's March something, I'm not watching football. I, I'll probably watch the draft just to see who we have. So whenever McCagden steps away, I'll be able to root for that player. But if he still has a job, I'm not watching football, for, or New York Jet football anyway. And I would not blame you for that at all. I'm begrudgingly watching the rest of this year. <laughs> and the thing is, there really there's a lot of holes on this team too. It's not the offensive line is deplorable. The linebacking core is streaky, really streaky. Who's the player that you would get? Yeah, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa would be a uh, great fit for this team, but I don't think he'll be there when they're picking. I think he's going to go number one. Really, you think the Raiders are going to take him over a quarterback? Actually, yeah, the Raiders are picked, but the 49ers have the first pick right now. Yeah, I mean, where do you go, honestly? Where do you go? How, how, would, how would that be if um, Urban Meyer's last season Ohio State Buckeye players go 1-2 in the draft? Also, last thing on Bowles before we shift to the Giants. He said after the game that Darnold could have gone, he just needed more reps. Well, if Darnold can play, play him! Really? That makes absolutely no sense. How does it make... You have this young quarterback that needs to... The only way you get better in the NFL is by playing right. in the NFL. What Nobody, benefits... Chris Carter, Chris Carter said this on... Um, Wake up or whatever that show is. First things first. Yeah, first things first. He said, I've I've never, there's nobody that's ever said, I, there's nobody that's ever held a clipboard on the sideline and afterwards said, I got better today. Why is he not out there? What benefits Donald if he's not out there? He's not the future. Serious, what benefits Sam Darnold in his development if he's not out there? And then if the, if Darnold's in the game, we probably win. Yep. We probably win that game if Darnold play, plays a quarterback. So are, is is Bulls that loyal to Josh McCown to to give him the starting job and lose a football game? And if he is, 
He shouldn't be coaching. McCown is not better than Darnold. No way, shape, or form. And this is another reason that I think the Teddy Bridgewater trade was asinine. You really think that McCown is that much better of a quarterback than Bridgewater to, to let him go for a fourth-round pick? You traded him in September when no one needs a backup quarterback. It's just this organization yeah, doesn't know what they're doing. This year, to my knowledge. I said, to my knowledge, he hasn't even been out of the field this year. No, he's. I mean, he's dressed for New Orleans. But, right, but Drew Brees <clears> and Taysom Hill. Fantastic, and Taysom Hill was getting the, the change of pace snaps, so Teddy hasn't even played. But here's the thing. You didn't need to trade him in September. We've been over this. This organization doesn't know how to play football, doesn't know how to run well, a football organization. Everyone how, currently... How, how, much, how much would the Redskins give for him right now? Who? I mean, Teddy. I mean, I know. Oh, for Teddy, they'd give. They would give a first-round pick for him. Exactly. I mean, the 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 deadline's come and gone, but. Yeah, yeah. How much would? How how much would the 49ers given for him? It was before the deadline. Right. How much? That we were on the same page. How much would the 49ers have given him, to to get Bridgewater to back up, when Garoppolo went down? Denver Broncos. Case Keenum's not the answer. I'm sure they would love Brett to have Teddy Bridgewater out instead of Case Keenum right now. Would Baltimore have called? Baltimore probably. I don't know if Baltimore would have called, though, because they wanted to put Lamar out there. But maybe they would have. It's you know? just, the, and uh, Let's move on, because I, I, I'm not going to... I need to vent some stuff. I, I, I'll go on for... Eight more hours about how <laughs> terrible this Jets team is. Moving to your Giants. Oh, yeah. Who actually won. Probably the most entertaining game of the year. Yeah, I said that. It was quite a bit. I don't think it was more entertaining than the Chiefs-Rams uh, game. That's still top for me. But this is the most fun. I, I, I did not see this live, unfortunately. I'm so sad about it. But I watched I rewatched the whole game. I have not had this much fun watching my team in a long time. And it, 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 there, you, you get nervous. It, you, it was probably better for me because I knew the outcome. <laughs> but I, I knew what was ultimately going to happen. But it's it, it was a great game. I mean, it was back and forth. It, it was the perfect microcosm of the Giants season, I'll tell you this, because... You can see, you can see what Dave Gettleman and John Mara were seeing when they were like, let's go for it this year. We can get it done this year. Every once in a while, you can see glimpses. But then you also see this boneheaded stuff <laughs> going on where you're like, what were you thinking trying to go for it? And it's, 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 it, but I, I mean, I, it was, it was, it was great to see a win again. They are still mathematically alive in the playoffs, which is hilarious to me. They have a 0.1% chance to win the NFC East. Hey, you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> um, I mean, it was, it, it, it was with Chase Daniel in the game, so, it, I mean, it's not, 
it's not an amazing win like over. It's not like they. No, but Mac was still playing. Patriots, but the defense is fantastic, and Saquon Barkley was out there getting money. Odell with the touchdown pass. I mean, there's there's solid potential on this team for the future. I'm. I I can see. So that re, us retooling next year and making a real run at it in 2020. They got you too. <laughs> they got I, they they pulled you in. They pulled me in. They pulled me in again. Here's what because I, I actually did see this live and I I delayed me watching the Jets. I eventually caught up somewhere near in the second quarter of the Jet the game, Jets. but I watched this Giant game all the way through and. It was the most entertaining football game I've watched this year. I knew that the Rams and Chiefs were going to put up a gazillion points. That was no question to me. This game was right. supposed to be, Chicago was supposed to go into into uh, MetLife and just steamroll the Giants. That didn't happen. The second play of the game, Ogletree, pick six. I turn the game on and I see Ogletree running into the end zone. And I went, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> Tariq Cohen had the had a coming out party. The best game of his career thus far. The best game for fantasy owners. 12 catches for 125 yards. And he threw a passing touchdown. Now there's two Philly special. There's two plays that I want to ask you about. One just yeah. for the general public, and one for you as as a giant fan, because I would I would be doing a disservice to journalism if I didn't ask you this question. But Okay, shoot. The first question is how and I put this out on Twitter. How long do we have to watch this stupid Philly special play? How, how uh, do teams not have this figured out? There's tape of like five different teams doing it. It's gonna be at least around for another year. It's gonna be. This is. This remember the Wildcat in 2008. I do with when, the Dolphins. When, with the Dolphins and Ronnie Brown, Ricky Williams, nobody could stop it. And then everybody started doing it, and it took over the league for a year and a half. That's the Philly special. Everybody's going to be doing it for a year and a half, and then it'll finally go away. And Because some, somebody will do some other crazy trick play. You know, Cam Newton will flea flicker to McCaffrey, who will pass to... Uh, DJ Brown and DJ Brown's gonna throw a touchdown back to McCaffrey or, or some crazy crap like that. <laughs> and then everyone will forget about the dumb Philly special and they'll start doing that. But until then, we're gonna see it. We're gonna see it a few more times. I let me tell you, every every quarterback who is the least bit athletic will be running out and splitting out wide and going to catch the Philly special. I don't know how many times I need to see this play anymore because after the Browns did it against the Jets, how many times do you actually have to see this on tape to know what's going to go on? Especially when you're on the two-yard line. You have to know it's coming. So why are you yeah. falling for it? The, the, better, the better play better, smarter strategy would be to fake the Philly special. I'm surprised nobody's tried that. Right. You know, just and instead of getting the hand, instead of um, the running, 
Philly special. I mean, running back takes the ball, hands off to the tight end. I'm surprised nobody's tried. Oh, it's a fake to the tight end, and the running back just keeps it. Because everybody's expecting it to go to the quarterback now. And I mean, he didn't even throw it to the quarterback. He threw it to uh, to Miller. Yeah, but it was it was the same. Right. 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 Everybody's expecting it to go that way. It's like. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand it. The second question is the onside kick with Odell. Oh, the hesitation. And the hesitation. He didn't go for the ball. This was a hot topic on this afternoon's um, K-Show. Yeah, it was indeed. And I, I was not happy about it. I can forgive it because we won the game. But if you lost the game, I know, and I know that that play resulted in the tying touchdown with the Philly special, but if you lost that game because of it in overtime, Odell's face is getting plastered everywhere. I don't have an issue with it either. He's very, very lucky that it worked out in the Giants' favor because he would be getting crucified this week. No, but he, here's the thing. The here's the thing, and I actually, this is, I actually, I'll defend Odell here, and I'll defend another play for, further down the road when we talk about uh, college, but mm-hmm. I don't mind Odell not pulling up right there. He's coming off of a major leg injury that severe, that severely altered the way he plays football. I mean, it doesn't alter the game now, but it altered him. Personally, I mean, you could see that in the way he talks about it, his attitude this year, his Facebook Live show. Like, it obviously was a major turning point in his life. He doesn't want to do yeah. that again. Two, why are you risking your $100 million receiver on a hands team? Yeah, that's what I don't understand. Is, is I, was going, I was actually going to ask you about that. But, like, obviously I get... I get the fact that in his mind, in that second, he's like, I just got hurt, and this guy is twice the size of me. I forget which Bears defender was going at him, but the guy was like twice the size of him, probably even bigger. I, I get sort of the, the thing, in that, and it worked out so I can forgive him, but first of all, you're, in, in my mind, it's you're out there, so... You gotta do it. The other thing is, if he goes for the ball, why is he out there? Why is why did Pat Shermer put him on the hands to? I, you know, he's got the best hands, sure, whatever. But there's, it's not like you, it's not like there's other guys. You could have Evan Engram out there, who was hurt, so that's that's a moot point. But you could have, you could have, um, you could have Hunter Sharp out there. You could have these other guys, Rhett Ellison that aren't Odell and aren't making hundreds of millions of dollars and aren't going up. Rhett Ellison would have been great for that play because he's the same size as that Bears defender. Here's the other thing. If he goes for the ball, how many times have we seen in a pile of humanity an oblong brown-shaped ball squirt out of it? Yeah. That ball makes weird... You throw it against the ground... Three times out of ten, it comes back to you. The other seven times, it goes a thousand different directions. How many times? 
have you seen onside kicks where people get their hands on the ball? Even people with sure hands. Slater on the Patriots, who's one of the best special teams players of all time, catching the ball and it squirts out of his hands and it goes to the other team. Or it goes yeah. 15 yards downfield and it's a mad scramble for the ball. So it's not a sure thing if he dives on 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 that play that he actually secures the ball. You know, I was thinking when I was listening to uh, the K Show guys talk about this. I was thinking it obviously doesn't work in the NFL where you have limited roster spots, but I'm surprised that no college team with their unlimited rosters has just taken a walk-on wide receiver. I said, hey, uh, John Doe, wide receiver, we're going to work you out exclusively on the hands team, and we're going to make you the best onside kick guy that we could ever possibly have. I don't know. It's really, and to question Odell there, after he not only catches the go-ahead touchdown pass, throws a touchdown pass, but what has he done this year that has wronged Giants fans? What has he done throughout his, his career that have, has wronged Giants fans on the field? I mean, look, he's just a, he's a flamboyant guy who plays with a lot of attitude, and that rubs people the wrong way. It's really as simple as that. I don't, I don't understand it's un- this. It's unfortunate. Listen, it's unfortunate that there are some people who look at playing the game with passion and playing the game with heart as a negative. Right, but here's the thing. This is the world. When he pulls up and doesn't do that, they still kill him. The same guys that are berating him for throwing his helmet, proposing to a kicking net, they when he pulls up and makes a career decision and shows lack of effort, they kill him too. Because they want reasons to hate him. It's really that simple. Enough already. He's one of the best players of all time at any any football player, at any position. The athleticism the same, that he has is same, yeah. unrivaled. It's the same reason that people will make cherry-pick any statistic they want about how terrible, historically bad of a quarterback Colin Kaepernick was because they don't like the fact that he kneeled for the anthem. We know the reason you don't like him is because he took the knee. You don't have to give us this bullshit that he was a historically awful starting quarterback when in reality he was average, possibly slightly below average. We'll get to controversy in a minute, but let's flip gears to your specialty, college football. Aw, yeah. The... Official rankings were announced Sunday afternoon. They are, if you've been living under a rock, Bama 1, Clemson 2, Notre Dame 3, Oklahoma 4. Yep. Is that correct or not? I have absolutely no problem with it. Um, Why? Here's the thing. You are always going to be arguing with flawed resumes. And this gets back into my... um, argument about why I don't think the playoff should be expanded. I think it's fine at four teams. You're always going to be arguing about flawed resumes. So Georgia is probably, if we're going by straight top four best teams, best teams talent-wise, I think Georgia should have been the fourth one. But Georgia 
it in its two biggest games of the year went 0 and 2. They lost by to 20 by LS. They lost to LSU by 20, excuse me, and they lost to Al. They choked the Alabama game away. Uh, once again, to a backup quarterback. Pretty funny. It's pretty ironic. But <laughs> um, so then Oklahoma gets it, and. If you're looking at Ohio State versus Oklahoma, who are the one-loss Power 5 conference champions, Oklahoma has the out where they can say, we beat everybody on our schedule. Because they both have glaring flaws. Oklahoma has a horrendous defense. That's putting it nicely. It's 129 out of 130. It is terrible. It is god-awful. But... They can also they also have the out of saying we have a the likely Heisman Trophy winner in Kyler Murray, and we have B beaten everyone on our schedule because their only loss by three to Texas in the Red River Shootout was avenged in the Big Twelve Championship game. Ohio State can't say that because they have the twenty nine point loss. So it's very narrow to me between Ohio State and Oklahoma. But I, I am fine with giving the edge to Oklahoma. And in a way, I think it worked out for the best because this allows Urban Meyer to end his career with a win because I don't think he's going to have any trouble beating uh, Washington in the Rose Bowl. It allows him to end in a win rather than going out with a crushing loss to Alabama, which is what would have happened. Here's why the Oklahoma... Selection is bullshit. Okay? okay. The best win on Oklahoma's schedule is against Texas. That is their best right. win. Right. They do not have a better win than that. That's true. Who was 15 at the time that they played them? Mm-hmm. Ohio State's best win was against Michigan who is four at the time. Both are conference champions. Both are one-loss teams. Both have Heisman Heisman Award candidates. Yep. Both have good head coaches. Both play in Power 5 conferences. Yep. Ohio State had a harder schedule than Oklahoma. Oklahoma yep. has, like you said, a historically bad defense and why I've nicknamed the Big 12 the 7-on-7 conference. Right. So already I'm, I'm discounting them because of the conference that they play in. But Ohio State had the better resume. You can't say that they, did, that they didn't. They had a statement win on the road in Happy Valley uh, on homecoming night. Mm-hmm. A come from behind win. They, they had a blew, big statement win in the game. They blew out the number four team in the country, Michigan, at home. And then they won the, the Big Ten title. And they have the likely first quarterback off the board. Right. Who is playing in the Rose Bowl, by the way. I don't understand the disrespect for the Big Ten. I really don't. I don't Odds are, when it comes to this selection committee, they discount the Big Ten. And that's why, one of the reasons why, I, I think this playoff should be expanded to eight. I don't understand why it's still four. You have five... You, the definition of college football is power five. How can you exude the power five, all 
five conferences if you have four selections? One, well, two, let's be honest, you have. Well, doesn't belong in it. I understand that, but you have you also and to say that there's only four good teams this year is ridiculous. Now I know some years there there will not be eight great teams or not eight. They won't. There will not be eight good teams. I understand that, but to cover your ass like with a year like this when there are, Georgia should have got in. In, in some respects, I think it should have been Ohio State at four, personally. But you could make the case for Georgia. Michigan is a really good team. They, in some respects, should have find their way into a playoff scenario. Why not have eight? UCF gets in as the team with the longest record, winning streak in college football. They are one of the best teams in the country. Why are we to why are we talking ourselves into everything's fine with this playoff system when we have other great teams in in this country and to say that we that this solves everything do we have short-term memory loss as college football fans the BCS was utter garbage why are we thinking that everything's roses when we just got away from a system that didn't know what the hell it was doing Listen, I, I understand the argument. I see the argument. Um, and whether the, the playoff should expand or not is a topic for another time that I do actually want to do with you at some point. Because that's, uh, that's a really fascinating discussion that we could really go on about for an hour. And especially looking back, it's, I also want to take a chance with you to look back at some of the hilarious BCS controversies and hilariously fraudulent tactics that were used to select the championship teams, but that's here nor there. I understand the argument with Ohio State, uh, and I should have prefaced my comments when I said, I, I, I think they got, I don't mind, I wouldn't have minded either Oklahoma or Ohio State. I should have prefaced my comments when I said they got it right by saying, they, based on what I know the committee looks for, they did what I thought they were going to. Because I agree with I, that. I probably would side with you that Ohio State has the better resume, but they look for, for better or worse, they look for what are you at your at your um, what are what what is your ceiling and what is your floor? And Oklahoma, because they have beaten everybody, they have the the lower floor and the, the higher ceiling. I get that, but their morals every single year change. One year they care about conference championships. One year they care about strength of schedule. One year they, they care about taking care of everybody on your schedule. Pick them a high ground and stick with it. And for the Georgia thing, I, I want to talk about the fake punt that went okay. for not. I actually like that call. I really, I'll back that call. Because if you think about it, you trust your defense. You're going up against the guy who hasn't gotten a game at all. At all this season, and a guy who has historically not been a great passer, plus you have one of the best quarterbacks in the country to come back even if they do score and try to tie the game. I don't, I don't have a problem with the fake punt. And if they got, if they snap the ball a second earlier, like they wanted to, they probably get that 13 yards or whatever it was. Yeah, it's um. It, it gets crap that it doesn't deserve. It, it's it's 
here's the thing. It's like it, it looking at it in retrospect, it's like the um pass at the one yard line in the Super Bowl, where it was really it was really dumb. You look at it and you're like, that was really dumb, that was terrible. But when you hear the explanation from the coaches of why they did it, you're like, okay, I get what you were doing there. I get what you thought was going to happen. And it just looks dumb because you thought you were catching them by surprise if you really weren't. They they called your bluff, basically. But, no, I mean, I, I get it. Because you, you trust your defense. You have a great defense. You have a great quarterback that you want to test Jalen Hurts. I think where it broke down was the quarterback they cho- chose to put out there. to Because when they gave it to Justin Fields, who's the freshman, I think that for Alabama was the giveaway. Oh, obviously, if if, the, if number one's coming out to to be your blocker for your punter, you obviously go, hmm, something's up here. Yeah, what I would have done is I would have put out Matthew Downing, who is the uh, he's the, he's their um, current scout team quarterback. He's a walk on. He's he's kind of a small guy, but you could believe he can throw. I saw a little bit of tape on him in the very opening game. He played like the last couple series in the opener. Uh, he he's he he can he, you would believe that he was just a special teams guy, and he would be able to complete a 15, 16 yard pass to get you the first down. Let's transition back into the pro game, and let's talk about the controversies that have gone on in the NFL over the past week. Okay. You and I over our illustrious career as podcasters have not shied away from giving the NFL its fair share of shit when it comes to handling off-the-field situations. No, we have not. Over the week, Reuben Foster has now got a job. Kareem Hunt now finds himself without a job. Yep. And as far as the Reuben Foster situation, could they have handled it any worse? is that they let him play for the Redskins right away. Also, why make the move if the guy's on the commissioner's exempt list? He's clearly not going to play for you this year. And there's a point that Rosenberg made on the case show about Kaepernick, who, I mean, he basically said, and I'm paraphrasing here, you got Alex Smith and Vernon Davis, who both played with Kaepernick. You need a quarterback. Why not get him and make the the negative light that you're getting for Foster a positive and save your season by getting a quarterback? Or at least yeah, giving him a workout. Yeah, it's, and, and yeah, exactly. At least give him a workout. And even then, if you decide to go with somebody else, if you're like, I don't know about, maybe this will cause a storm. You can be like, you can have the hour of saying, well, we gave him a workout and he just wasn't the right fit right now. I, it, people would see through it, but it would be at least, it, would, it, would, it wouldn't be as transparent as what they're doing now, which is saying, we're not even going to work this guy out at all. And they didn't do their due diligence. The league and the Redskins did not do their due diligence with the way that they went about Ruben Foster. The league didn't call the girlfriend. 
Or the, no, I'm sorry. The Redskins didn't call the girlfriend. The league didn't call as nearly as many Alabama players that they've had that they said they did. The Redskins didn't call any of them. They didn't even speak to Ha Ha Clinton Dix about this, who's currently on the team, mind you. This is a complete and utter dumpster fire. Everything that could have gone wrong in this situation has. And if you're going to sign a guy who's facing criminal charges, why not wait until after the charges are, are out of the way? If he's that good at football, why not wait? I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. Even Dante Stolberg, they, they like gave him a season where nobody touched him before every, the dust settled and, and somebody brought him back. The Browns brought him back. Even then. But this is like the, 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 the body's not even cold in the ground yet. I don't get it. And if you're the Redskins, you're already in a, in a situation where your, your owner is one of the worst in perhaps professional sports history. You're in a situation where your fans don't want to go to your stadium, one, because of the location of the stadium, and two, because of the conditions in which when they go to the stadium, the fans and how ridiculous they are. Three, yeah. the product on the field. And on the, the garbage. And on the field, you had a, what, three, four-game lead in the division, and now you've given it up? And you're six and six? You were six and three. With a yeah. stranglehold on this division, a possibility of going ten and six, if not beyond that. Now you're yeah. looking at your season. You don't have your starting quarterback. You don't have your backup quarterback. You put in a guy. With Mark Sanchez playing games. You put in a guy on Monday night. I don't care who it is. It could be Joe Montana, but he was there for nine days or whatever. Well, I don't even think it was nine days. Not even that. It was like three days since he was signed. I think. So you he doesn't know anything. I mean, what what are you giving him? Four verts every single play. What can you run when you got a guy who's been there for an hour? It doesn't make any sense, and it uh, it's just it's just a shame, really. It it, it really is. I mean, it's good for me because <laughs> it's one less team that my team has to worry about. But for the NFL, it's, it's not a good look, and I don't understand why Roger Goodell keeps allowing things like this to happen. And with this Kareem Hunt situation, the where I where this troubles me is when you turn to, to Tyreek Hill, who punched his pregnant girlfriend in the stomach a couple of years ago. <laughs> they stood by him. You're our guy. Yeah. This comes up with Kareem Hunt. They release him like that. Now, I know they, they said they knew about it in February. But even if you know about it in February and this video surfaces, to just, just hang this guy out to dry, you, you're, you're, sp you're spineless. You're, you're utterly spineless. You have no... You have nothing to stand on. All everything that this the Chiefs organization has done doesn't hold water if Tyreek Hill's still on this team. What Tyreek Hill did 
was 10 times worse than what Kareem Hunt did. Now, I know what Kareem yeah. Hunt did is not great at all, but yeah. it's not Ray Rice bad, and that's seemingly become the benchmark for domestic abuse, and it's not Tyree Kill bad if what Tyree Kill did, it's not bad. It's not as bad as what Joe Mixon did. And he's still on a team. Yep. So I don't I don't get this. And I, I understand that there is a new video of Kareem Hunt in January in a Kansas City nightclub. But why is he a, why is he on the street and guys like T- Tyree Kill and Joe Mixon are still on the team? It doesn't I, make any sense. And it's it's you can and if you're the league, the Chiefs knew about this in February. Yeah, and you can give them, like, the minute amount of credit for doing the right thing, even though it was way too late. But it's, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. It just makes, it just makes me sad. I mean, there's the two things, with the Foster signing and then this Hunt stuff. Makes you look in the mirror as a football fan and say, "Why am I watching this? Why, why are we letting the people in charge of the sport that we love just make a mockery out of it?" Roger Goodell, what are you doing, man? Seriously, why? What causes him to make these decisions that are just ridiculous? And I, I know the move to. And it's actually funny. The move to put Hunt on the commissioner's exemplist is actually the right thing to do, but he should have been on it in February, and you should have been investigating this 10 months ago. Not now. If the Chiefs knew about it, then somebody in the league must have known about this. That doesn't... If a team knows about something, it doesn't go out of the hands of the league. That's not how stuff works in any yeah. walk of life. I don't care if we're talking about sports. And so, it's just so transparent that if TMZ could find it and the police had it, we're supposed to believe that the NFL didn't know. Right, and it was it's the same thing with the Ray Rice video. All we didn't know that it existed. Yeah. I got to call uh-huh. bullshit on that. Now, Hunt, I do think we'll play again in the league. I mean, Adrian I'm Peterson qu- switched his kid, and he's back in the league. Yep. And I'm pretty sure... apparently sh- is still disciplining his kid right. in such ways. And so. I'm pretty sure he made comments about it like two weeks ago that he yeah. was saying that I still do that sort of stuff. Yep. And, he's th- and he has a job. Yeah. Uh. On that note, let's switch back to the NFC East and talk about the Redskins, talk about the Giants, but in particular the two teams at the top of the division that will be playing for first place in the NFC East this weekend. Yep. The Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles have suddenly woken up from the Super Bowl hangover that they've been on. Yep. And they kind of look like the Eagles again. The RPOs are, are hitting... Nelson Aguilar is playing well. Darren Sproles. I mean, if anybody's valuable in the NFL, it's Darren Sproles. Look at mm-hmm. what the offense was without him since week one when he went down. And look at 
the offense that you played against the Redskins. It's clear it's night and day his impact on the Eagles. I've done this before, so I'll just leave the floor to you. Who do you think will win the NFC East? Uh, ultimately, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough call, but I'm going to maybe surprise you, maybe not. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. A week, two weeks ago um, at Thanksgiving games, I backed the Redskins. But since the Colt McCoy injury and the Mark Sanchez vehicle has now been brought back on the scene, yep. I'm going the Cowboys as well. And I, I wouldn't have so thought it's not that. A surprise. No, I wouldn't have thought that uh, after their Tennessee loss on Monday night. That it looked like the wheels were falling off the Cowboy bandwagon. But yep, Zeke Elliott great since then. and the Clapper have duct taped and glued the bandwagon wheels back on and they're chugging along. And I do think that this is problematic in a way for the Cowboys because they, they will probably win the division. They might go far in the playoffs. Then they're going to give an extension to Jason Garrett. And they're going to give a hundred million dollars to Dak Prescott and probably somewhere around the same number for Amari Cooper. I don't know yeah. if those are the, I don't know if I want to be tied down to Garrett and, and Dak Prescott for as long I as they're probably going either, to, to give them the money season, for it. This as a thing about the Cowboys, this is the time to make a run because you look at the talent on this team. Just for a sec, people I don't think people realize how good some of this young talent is. Everybody knows Ezekiel Elliott's great. Everybody now is, knows now that Amari Cooper is back. But look at some of these defensive guys. Leighton Vander Esch awesome. is really good. He might be the best linebacker in football right now. He's yeah, just, Khalil Mack. Mack's technically a linebacker. There. He's up there. He's, he's running all over the field. He's making plays. He can cover guys. He's great. He will Find not ever tackle. miss a tackle in his NFL career. I'm making that what? assumption right now. Vander Esch. Byron <laughs> Jones, great young corner. Uh, Cheeto Awuzie, great young corner. They've got really solid talent on this defense, and it, the defense is just good enough to to carry them. And with Zeke, with Zeke, and with um, Amari Cooper bailing Dak out, it's just good enough to carry them. This, uh, Colin Cowherd made a great comparison between Dak and Tim Tebow. Dak is better Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow won a playoff game. Yep. That's all I'm saying. So the Cowboys, this gravy train, it, they're just good enough to back into the playoffs. I think they'll beat Philadelphia this weekend, and that'll put them in the driver's seat. And they're just good enough to back into the playoffs at 9-7, and 8-8, and eight, and maybe win a game. But then, you're right, it is going to be a kind of a problem for them in the future because Zeke is going to want his money and deserve his money. Dak is going to also want his money, especially if they win a playoff game. And he's not going to deserve it. He's just, I don't, I just don't see him as a franchise quarterback. He's a game manager. And he hasn't improved in the three years that he's been with the Cowboys. I, I think... If they had John Elway and there was a Peyton Manning available, they would gladly take him, but there's not going to be that guy. 
They're going to probably have to take Ashby stuck with Dak. And they're going to be successful now. This is the year to make a run, but I think it will hurt them in the future. So we will officially close the book on week 13. We only got three more weeks of this. As crazy as that and sad as that seems. But we're now entering the credits. Nick, you got anything to plug? Uh, it's the same as always. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, at Nick Parody, all of that good stuff. Hard Truth is coming back soon. I know I promised videos at the end of November. I lied. <laughs> I've been going through crap in my personal life. We're going to get them out at some point. I don't have a timetable. But the UCF video is still being planned. Uh, I'm looking to make it more of a – it might evolve into a two-parter because I've got a lot of stuff I'm working on. Um, I am considering trying to get in touch with actual UCF students because I do know you. <laughs> and trying to get a pulse on what the campus feeling for this team is. But that's all a tease. I don't, I don't have a timetable yet for when that will all be ready, but it will be ready. So subscribe to The Hard Truth for that. That's about it out of me. Over on this side, it's thebasementviewmedium.com backslash at basementview. A Hall of Fame column is in the works. A Manny Machado column is getting its finishing touches, All so it's pretty and nice. The walk-on show, my weekly radio show, is going on winter break. Uh, it will be back on Tuesdays at 9 o'clock Eastern time. It'll probably come out, um, that's when it airs live. It'll probably be out about an hour or so after that uh, on Tuesdays. It's moving times and moving days. And if you're listening to this part of the portion of the podcast, why are you not subscribed already? Share this podcast with anybody who might enjoy crazy New Yorkers who rant about sports <laughs> and other various guests. Um, but yeah, you know the words. You know the ending of this podcast. It's closing oh, yeah. time. Real quick shout out to uh, Seattle for landing the 32nd NHL team. Did you hear about this? I did. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll shout do it. I'm sure we'll do a podcast about them very soon. Oh, yeah. That will be all the rave. But shout out whose house, Ram's house, and anybody who commented on that Vegas uh, video. But it's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you cannot stay here. Peace.